offering a humble pranam to Bhagwan's lotus feet. Dear listeners, we welcome you to this week's afternoon satsang. Even as we left for you last week, we said that we're going to continue with the Ramakatha Raswaini this week and the week following this one. So as always, let us begin this week's Ramakatha Raswaini session by taking the name of the Lord, which is so nectarous and as Swami would say, which is capable of destroying all sin and blemish in our life. Shri Raghavam Dasharatatmajamaprame Sitapatim Raghukulanmaya Ratnadipam Ajanubahum vibrations of the Lord, of the divine name of the Lord, Bhagwan Sri Ram fills our being. It is indeed an honor and privilege for both of us. I am Arvind from Team Radio Sai and with me is Prem as always and it is our honor and privilege to be able to dwell on this sweet story that is written by our sweet Lord, our Sai Rama. We begin by offering our humble salutations at his lotus feet and also at the feet of Lord Hanuman who is present whenever the Ramakatha is heard and sung. The last fortnight when we did the Ramakatha, we saw how Hanuman returned triumphantly from Lanka with news of Mother Sita's presence there. Along with that, he also told Rama Lord Rama about the condition in which Mother Sita was and how she pined for him to come and liberate her from that imprisonment. Along with that, he also narrates to Lord Rama the treacherous and cunning methods that the evil Ravana is employing in order to convince Sita to break her will, to break her spirit 
but he has absolutely not succeeded in doing that in any fashion and uh, that is why hanuman pleads to bhagwan ram to his lord that lord it is too much kindly kindly intercede and let us please do something to save mother sita it was still here that we had concluded in the previous fortnight so today we will begin at that point where rama is hearing these words these words of hanuman which are steeped in humility and sincerity he is very pleased he is very happy and he turns to his brother lakshmana and says brother i think we should prepare for this campaign without any further delay it's it's so difficult not to see the similarity and i think we mentioned this before many times when you go through these mythological stories you know you come across the situation where somebody was absolutely flawless in mm. character like mother sita is made to go through something like this you know which is very very uh, very cruel to be put through we often think that you know you you do bad and bad comes back to you it's all karma but even swami has mentioned this before there are some occasions where not necessarily it is karma catching up with you in in cases like mother sita and you know the cases like prahlada you see that a devotee of the lord is sent right into the enemy camp or the camp of those who hate the lord or who are you know sending against those who are devoted to the lord probably the pit feels faster when when they you know end up torturing people who are so dear to the lord and and the lord takes it upon himself to now come and meet out the justice that's what you see in the case of mother sita there's no reason why she has to you know go through this and i think it's a lesson for all of us you know when we are in a situation to believe that you know probably swami is purifying this environment i am in through me and swami is going to and let me not lose heart and definitely i think she had that courage to think to say that you know even when hanuman made that offer i will take you across you know i will put an end to, it, to your ordeal she says no he has to come he he has allowed this to happen he has to come and set it right this is a very interesting point that you make uh interesting because even as you make the point if we do not think deep the question that might arise is it's okay in order to hasten the fall of ravana in order to or you know whatever uh, cleanse the environment faster as you say you know by vanquishing the evil and bringing in the good the lord puts his chosen ones and his dear ones in that situation uh, on the face of it it's almost like in order to get something good those that are dear to me i will make them suffer <laughs> it's almost or in this case here in order to make the evil suffer yeah those who are dear to me have done no fault also let them suffer a bit i say that this is the doubt that arises at the superficial level because you know recently we were having a discussion on the famous uh, three zeros that mm-hmm. concept wherein swami has said that if you ask for god first your wealth is taken away then your relationships and your friendships and all your kith and kin are taken away in various ways maybe by death by disease by distance by whatever and after that your self concept everything that you consider as yourself you as a professional you as a householder or everything that forms part of your self concept your self esteem your self worth that will be taken away right and when all these three become zero if you still choose the lord you will get the lord so uh, you know at that time also the question looks like why is it that only if you choose the lord you are subjected to suffering which means if i don't choose the lord 
I can get away with my wealth, relationships and everything. Nothing, losing nothing. It almost, it almost feels like the better option is to choose, not choose the Lord. Uh, the Pandavas chose the Lord, their whole life was filled with travails. If we go to a deeper level, I'm sure, Prem, we all will realize that we are all in quest for happiness and ultimate happiness has to come from something that is permanent, which is God, which is beyond the body, mind and our senses. As long as we are delving in the level of the body, mind and senses, we will never be happy. So it is not as if the devotee is being punished. The devotee is actually being specially blessed because the devotee is getting the opportunity to choose ultimate happiness. To, you know, by these ways, like what happened to Mirabai, if we see, Mirabai got ultimate happiness, though in the worldly sense it looks like she was fully troubled. It is only when you ask Mirabai herself, she will say that I am not in any trouble, I am in bliss. That is what happens, you know. this is an opportunity for the de- for the devotee to attain ultimate bliss by by transcending the body and the mind otherwise we are so shackled by the body and the mind we think that we are the body and the mind and therefore we are discarding away the o- any opportunity or any chance that we have towards ultimate happiness or permanent happiness therefore if we look deep we will realize that when the lord puts the devotee through such uh, apparently cruel circumstances it is an opportunity that the devotee is getting in in order to score permanent and ultimate happiness absolutely because when you say that uh, whatever we do in life whatever we go through in life we do it for happiness i think what happens in the process is we we are so attached or so dependent on the methods to reach the happiness than happiness itself hmm. so when you are, I think God puts you through a situation like this where everything goes wrong and probably he's trying to, you know, God is trying to make us see that there is happiness even when all of this falls apart. And as you said, that is the happiness which is beyond the body and the mind. Because, you know, you don't have money but you, you can still be happy. You don't have comfort and you don't have uh, people around you or loving or probably or caring but you can still be happy. We will never know that uh, happiness which is happiness per se which is not dependent on anything unless we go through this situation where everything falls apart and you will still be able to be happy that's what that's what we see in the life of somebody like Mirabai as you rightly said that even within that comfort zone she could give up that come out and say that now I am you know really happy I think that that's something which we all have to keep in mind and uh, unless we are ready to do that we will only be looking at God as a means to happiness rather than you know, looking at God for God's sake. Absolutely. It involves a paradigm shift in our thinking. Uh, Just recently I was watching a a little video which so beautifully showed this kind of paradigm shift that we need. We often consider success gives happiness. We think like that, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that video was stating that it's the other way. It is happiness that gives success. Mm -hmm. You know, happiness that leads to success because Ultimately, a person who is happy is considered successful. Can you consider Tyagaraja as unsuccessful? Can we consider Mirabai as unsuccessful? No way. No way can we consider them unsuccessful. Though, you know, they had nothing to show in terms of wealth, nothing to show in terms of, um, what you say, uh, influence over people in in the worldly sense. They are not kings, they are not rulers, they are not having, uh, they are not very popular, all that. But yet, 
we see how they continue to shape generations and generations uh, thousands hundreds of years after they have lived therefore the kind of paradigm shift that we need in changing our concepts from from success gives happiness to happiness gives success that is the kind of shift we need otherwise you know it will happen like what happened the other day when i was talking to a group of uh, school students everyone considered mirabai to be great a phenomenally inspiring soul and uh, somebody whom we would like to be at least 10% of but guess what nobody wants to be 100% like her is no no yeah you admire mirabai right do you want to be mirabai oh no actually there was only one girl who said that yeah i would like to be mirabai but we can't blame them because if we think of them it almost looks like we are teaching the children that yeah mirabai is great but you know she's a it's like a failure nobody wants to be like mirabai because i don't want to suffer i don't want to have pain because i feel that i am the body and i am the mind as long as you feel you are the body and you are the mind you will never get permanent happiness in order to transcend that the lord gives you situations and gives you examples to show that see once you have transcended it doesn't matter what happens it doesn't matter whether they are blessed with success or they are blessed in the deepest dungeons of failure because both becomes a blessing because their happiness or their peace their contentment doesn't depend on that and even as we go through the story of ramayana where we often say the the subtle parts of ramayana where swami mentions it but might not be in the narrative as written by valmiki where you know, there is that discussion between rama and uh, mother sita where he says that now the drama begins mm. i think in many ways it has to be seen uh, let us say that we are going through a difficult situation probably swami has not called us physically and said you know what you're going to go through this situation have faith in me because whatever happens i'm going to come and protect you mm. and this is going to be an example for, to the world but it's not it doesn't take away uh, you know you can always run it in your mind and you'll still be doing the right thing actually because that is the truth you know whatever happens swami is going to come to the rescue and swami is going to set right everything i think even though it it does not happen physically if we can probably run it in our mind saying that you know i'm going through a situation like this but let me imagine that swami has told me that you know you go through this but i'm i'll ensure that nothing happens to you i'll come and protect you and this is just a drama this is not this is not the reality because you are beyond pain and you're you know something of that sort probably if we are just a little more imaginative we would go through our problems in a in a better way i guess absolutely and i feel rather than spend our time thinking of thoughts see after all anything that we most of the time what we are thinking is imagination only we are, it is not as if all our thoughts are focused on what in the worldly sense is real most of our thoughts are imaginative thoughts only at least in our imagination why not keep it positive because it right reminds me of that i think i'm i'm sure you also would have seen that movie there's a movie called life is beautiful right yes such, yes it's such a powerful movie this particular concept where the father is able to create a world which does not exist for that little boy and it is as real as right, reality it, it's all that optimism that he needed and you know that's that's the trick we have to play with our mind and i think all of us have difficult situations but can we play that trick in our mind and whenever swami says these dictums like you know life is a dream realize it i think it's all for that that are you able to tell your mind and you know make it uh, go through this life like it's a dream and unaffected by it exactly because you know uh, this uh, uh, visualization technique you know we have discussed about this in other satsangs also where we visualize swami's darshan and look at him and uh, i had a couple of experiences and 
it's been fantastic with with the physical uh, form of swami with the uh, supernatural or the invisible form of swami there have been experiences mm-hmm. and when i have narrated this one or two have just come and said that you know all said and done don't you think this is just imagination and hallucination my answer you know is what is the difference between that you know imagination and reality because the happiness that i am deriving is as real don't you see me do you do i look depressed do i look sad i am looking happy in the same way you know swami says worry is simply mentally created uh, fear you know there's nothing real about worry also worry is also uh, imagination only for instance just uh, a few days ago i had uh, you know placed an order for an air conditioner to be fitted at home and uh, it was malfunctioning and for a few days from this seller i was not getting any responses to mm-hmm. my calls and suddenly you know this thought comes hey what if this guy doesn't respond because this was ordered via the internet you're stuck with a defunct product your money is gone there's no way to get it back and believe me prem for two nights this weekend saturday and sunday because saturday and sunday they are closed <laughs> i couldn't sleep well i was going on worrying about this and monday you know first thing in the morning as office hours begin i get a call from that seller reassuring me telling everything will be done and a day after that it was all done you know actually on tuesday mm-hmm. two days before it was all done and now i think what did i do on saturday and sunday night i lost my sleep the uh, the sadness i experienced the loss of uh, appetite that i experienced everything was real and all that was based on imagination so that fear is also imagination all our fears and worries are imagination because they are only about the past which i cannot change or about the future which has not yet come we rarely live in the present so my thing would be why not replace those negative imaginations with positive imaginations absolutely i think that's that's precisely what swami would often tell us to you know teach us by saying be optimistic be positive i think that's that's the most important thing probably a caveat here <laughs> you're talking about imagining our dearness and closeness with swami we also see this I think when one imagines to be close to Swami, please don't try to sell that idea. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Right. It is for you. It is for your own joy. It is. I mean, if I think, if I imagine that I am very, very close to Swami, I am very dear to Swami, there is absolutely nothing wrong in that. That the is the pro- truth, in fact. That, that's the truth. But the problem comes when you make it a comparative thing and try to sell that idea to somebody else, and uh, you know, lay influence over others. through the process exactly by you know becoming some so called medium or something <laughs> right. it is it is bad because prem there we are propagating a falsehood see if i tell that i am very dear to swami it is fine that's the truth but when i try to do this medium business you know it's like i am trying to tell somebody that i am very dear to swami which you are not that is where the falsehood comes in if i tell that i am very dear to swami so are you very dear to swami if we propagate the truth that is the truth each one is as dear to the lord as anyone else but in trying to acquire a special status a special halo around our head in order to raise ourselves above the rest we try to push the others down it's almost that only when we get into that state it's like telling you are less special than me and therefore i am very special correct so that, that's why uh, it is it is wrong 
so uh, it is a crooked twist in this thing yes each one of us is very dear to the lord we can imagine that because that is the truth whether we accept it or not that is the truth we are dear to the lord it's only when we don't accept it we fall prey also to such tricksters and fraudsters exactly and that's precisely the idea of you know when swami used to teach us about advaita and all that forget when we'll reach that state that's that's in in the womb of time as they say it and i put it but the thing is that reality can be used even now you know when swami would say after all you're not the body you're not the mind probably the that state of realizing that will come later but that truth can be used even now you know when you're in pain when you're in suffering you can use it now that's that's the positive reinforcement which swami teaches us like how swami would say you may not know the chemical composition of the tablet but when you are feeling sick you can definitely take it and it will work you may not know how it works what is the chemical pathway but it works for you so we should dear listener we really feel that we should make more and more use of this great mantra that swami has given us that swami is in our heart he says adivilolunna aakashamalolunna whether you are in the forest whether you are in the skies whether you are in the bottom of the ocean anywhere your sai will never leave you so when we have such a sai with us why why do we why do we worry why do we spend time in negative thoughts let us always spend our time and energy in positive thought because sai is with us and when i say this it's not as if i am uh, sitting on a pedestal and preaching because i know how many failings i have got a simple air conditioner got me worked up and worried and made me forget that sai is with me so it's a work in progress for all of us and let us all strive to work and reach the state that mother sita attained in her journey and uh, she is really an ideal for all of us because even when you know uh, as prem said as you said prem when there is that uh, relief option that is coming where hanuman is saying that i'll take you off with me come any one of us know would have thought this is hanuman he's coming straight from our lord <laughs> he's the messenger of the lord yes <laughs> so this is nothing but the lord's will right and yet you know sita it's amazing sita did not want even even a person of the stature and nature of hanuman to come between her and her lord i think that is a lesson that we all have to take our relationship with our lord is a very very personal one as personal as the relationship that sita shared with rama as personal as the relationship between a husband and his his wife you know and and when one true devotee stands up and says my lord will come i mean if you look at it the entire ramayana is this important part of the ramayana at least is based on that uh, you know one pure soul's devotion it has given the opportunity for how many people to do god's work you know it's given hanuman the opportunity it's given vibhishana the opportunity and hordes of the monkey army has been given the opportunity just because mother sita said no my lord will come and he has to come i will not take any other and even work. on the other side vibhishana trijata sarama right. everyone in fact in one discourse i remember swami saying ramayana is actually sitayanam you know the right. st- the story of rama is actually the story of sita the entire thing centers around her it's it is so beautiful because for the devotee the lord is the supreme sita says that i am nothing rama is everything and here we have sai rama in the public discourse saying rama is actually nothing sita is everything this is that beautiful relationship between the lord and the devotee for the devotee the lord is the supreme for the lord the devotee is the supreme and when we have such a devotee and such a lord <laughs> all of us i think you know can enjoy from that interaction and the experience and coming to that point in the story as we said hanuman has come back that beautiful dialogue between hanuman and rama i mean again 
Hanuman, the way he is, you know, uh, so genuinely he's saying that I have not done anything. You know, it's just your the ring which you gave me protected me. The name which I took could take me across the ocean. And uh, it was Mother Sita's anguish which burnt Lanka down. It was not the fire that I lit. And he conveys everything, whatever happens. And he pleads with Lord Rama that, you know, do whatever it takes. But you have to go and relieve her of this pain. And exactly at this time, there is uh, a lot of commotion in Lanka because everybody is scared. Everybody is wondering what is happening. You know, what is going to happen? One monkey who is a messenger of the Lord has created such havoc. Are they going to come come back as an army? How soon are they going to come back? And what will happen if more of them come back? And as Swami writes, there are omens on both the sides. On one side, there are good omens. That is for the Vanaras. And on the other side, there are bad omens. That is for the Rakshasas in Lanka. So, all this is happening. And what happens next is the scene shifts to Lanka. But I think before we shift the scene to Lanka... Contemplating on all that Swami has inspired us to discuss right now, let us think of our sweet Lord Swami. Let us pray to Him that we always think of Him and keep Him in our hearts and never forget that He is with us throughout this journey of life. Let us enjoy this beautiful song. Take a short break. On the other side of the break, we will continue with what is happening at Lanka as Rama commands the Vanaras to start preparations for assault on Lanka. What's happening in Lanka at that time, we will take it after the break. Yeah, but I'm 
possibly this is what the demons are thinking and that is the reason they are not speaking out to ravana but then mandodri this is another beautiful aspect uh, that is highlighted in many of our scriptures of how the wife truly is the other half or the better some say the better half but here as the other half it's treated because uh, even in tyagaraja we see this you know when tyagaraja feels that he is unable to move lord shri rama to bless him with darshan he composes a kirtan and pleads to mother sita because he feels that if mother sita's heart is one mother sita will anyway convince rama mm. uh, you know that that beautiful thing that's why here when nobody has the guts to take it up to ravana it is his own wife mandodri queen mandodri who decides to take it up with him and as he said getting an opportune moment when ravana is possibly in a receptive mood in the inner chambers she says lord i have a little request please do not develop enmity with the omniscient one the omniscient one rama who is all powerful you know you have yourself said that you have yourself seen that rama is not ordinary because you know shurpanaka you try to avenge shurpanaka and you saw what happened he could vanquish the millions of these uh, rakshasas and then you yourself have seen what one vanara has done here and here is an army of vanaras that are coming just imagine what will happen in fact somewhere later it is mentioned uh, the number you know i don't know whom uh, i i am not getting it exactly but somewhere later it is mentioned that the vanara army consists of 18 padmas and i was just searching googling through mm-hmm. the indian numerical system one padma stands for 10 to the power of 15 that is the number <laughs> and they have 18 padmas each headed by a hero like jambavan hanuman angada like that so it is a you know hold is a wrong word to use it is it is more than the population human population of earth today that many monkeys and beings that are fighting on the side of rama and so mandodri says that you know one one monkey taking rama's name did this you have seen the power why why do you want to you know don't you think we should consider and not take up this that's what she tries telling right in fact she doesn't say i think in in the dialogue between hanuman and ravana Hanuman reminds Ravana that even to take away Sita he had to go when Rama was not there. Mm-hmm. And doesn't he know what will happen if Rama comes to his kingdom? But you know a few things which can be learned here which I think earlier also we mentioned you know the way Mandodri puts forth the things to Ravana you know the ideal wife that she is because she is also spoken of very highly as a pativrata. You know Uh, an ideal wife never hesitates to correct the husband when he is wrong but does it in the most cordial manner possible you know she ensures that nobody is around when she is saying it she does not put him down in front of others but you know gets an opportunity when he is alone and when he is probably in a better frame of mind to listen giving importance to the message and uh, you know this actually is really the essence of that uh, indian familyhood if you look at it because many times we talk of a you know patriarchal society where the male is the upper hand but some you often say this you you have no idea what is the amount of soft power the wife wields in the house mm. and this is how it is to be done it's not by you know ensuring that everybody listens to her but the ability to build consensus and you know have people understand the wisdom in the way she is putting forth and we are going to see what happens when that wisdom is not followed but that's a little later but uh, she she reasons out so beautifully he says you know at least now you repent 
Rama is very compassionate. You call Vibhishana, you tell Vibhishana to take uh, Mother Sita and you know, go to Rama. It, it's also almost like, you know, uh, Queen Mandodari has sat and considered all the pros and cons before bringing it up to Ravana. Because on one hand she starts, as we said, with the might of Rama. On the other side she says, uh, forget, it's almost like you forget that might part of Rama. All this is happening because you took Mother Sita, right? And Mother Sita is a very chaste woman. She's a very pure woman. It's, I mean, she's like, she's, though she doesn't make a direct comparison, comparison, it's almost like she's hinting to Ravana, what would be your frame of mind if I was taken away by a, th- a third person? Because, you know, Queen Mandodri is another noble woman, as you said, a pr- Pativrata and a virtuous lady. So, it's almost like that when such a virtuous lady is taken away, how will it be? This is another very, you know, special feature of a woman. That is possibly one of the strengths of the woman that she is able to empathize better than man. And that is what Mandodari does over here. You know, she empathizes. She can put herself in the shoes of Mother Sita. And so, she is trying to get Ravana also into Mother Sita's shoes. And she is saying that, you know, she is of exemplary character. After that angle, she goes to a third angle. She says, apart from she being a noble woman, a wonderful lady, a person of exemplary character, she is also a person of great spiritual energy. You know, it's not as if Rama is required to bring you down. You have seen Sita's power. Though again, you know, because of the understanding that exists between the husband and wife, she doesn't again state it in obvious, but she is hinting at the fact that, you know, Ravana... You who have romped over the three worlds with nobody to touch you, you have not been able to touch Sita. You have not been able to go in her ambit. Okay, that is the kind of uh, spiritual power she wields. You know, considering all these, please, she requests, she pleads. Actually, once you have all these, you can just say that, you know, by all this, it is absolute foolish of you, stupid of you to do this. But she says, considering all this, please, please just let Mother Sita go and I am sure nothing will happen. Once you allow this, Rama also I have heard is a very large hearted person. He will not, you know, there is no need for any war or battle. But what to do, as Swami often says, I think we will see this happening again and again. Vinashakale Viprita Buddhi. Ravana is a conceited ignoramus and he just lambasts even Queen Mandodari. Right, and goes on to say, I am just waiting for that moment when all the monkeys will come here mm. because they will all be eaten up. And the way he puts it, it's like, you know, we have allowed Hanuman to escape so that he brings all of his, you know, <laughs> lights and we can finish them all together. But, you know, that, that's as perfectly put Vinashikale Viparita Buddhi. Because I mean, nobody is able to set him right. As we see after this, Mandodari gives up. She says, you know, there's no stopping uh, Ravana's uh, ruin. But then Ravana goes into his court. And as as you said, you know, it's it's an elephant in the room. Everybody knows and everybody is scared. Everybody is talking in whispers about it. But when Ravana comes to his court and he says, in fact, he tells them, what do you feel? Uh, how how should we prepare ourselves? What do you think might likely? To, what is what do you think is likely to happen? And uh, speak your heart out. You know, don't have any fear. Speak speak what your mind tells. And uh, Swami writes, there is a sense of, you know, everybody is sneering around because they know that none of them can actually speak their heart out. And uh, that is when some of these usual... Uh, Mutual psychophants. Right. More than psychophants, I don't know whether they really believe what they are saying, but probably they are saying, mm. they know what is what is a 
the most pleasant thing for Ravana to hear at that moment and what would really benefit them if he hears. So some of these or maybe even equally uh, dull-witted like Ravana himself because one of them gets up and he says, uh, I think before this, right, before all of this happened when he is asking this. When Ravana actually asks everyone to open their hearts out, in fact, as we shall see later also, it is only Ravana's two brothers, Kumbhakarna and Vibhishana, who actually open their heart out and state the truth. All others decide to conceal the light shining in their hearts with the clouds of deceit and, you know, trying to uh, butter up Ravana. Because Kumbhakarna, who wakes up once in a while, he walks in. And you know, this is again the, the mastery of Swami's writing. It's so fantastic, you know. Kumbhakarna is one who sleeps, who is tamas, sloth. And once in a while he comes out of Tamas. Mm-hmm. And when Kumbhakarna has come out of Tamas at this moment, what does he do? He stomps into the court and he jeers and leers at Ravana and he says, You know what? You said you are the mightiest one. Monkey came and shook your whole kingdom, burnt away a kingdom. That's what I heard. And um, that's what he has heard. He has not experienced because as we uh, were discussing, he Hanuman would have spared uh, Kumbhakarna's home on the prayers of his wife. And then he says, how did you allow that monkey to escape alive? You know, you you you, you are not you, you are not what you think you are. He tells the truth directly on his face, without mincing words, and mocking him in open court in front of everybody. Because you know, Ravana is the emperor, and in front of everybody, he mocks him and walks away. And I I feel this is brilliance on Swami's part as a writer because uh, it is almost like saying. Even a person who is steeped in tamas, in those one moment when he wakes up, he is able to recognize the truth. And Ravana, you are yet unable to see that. What can be a greater example of Vinashakale Viprita Buddhi? Right. And he comes and he, uh, after he has put forth his uh, idea that, you know, this is the stupid thing to do, he walks away and after that starts this, you know, uh, you he's scratch my back, I scratch your back. Minister starts parading their loyalty, which is so blinded. And Swami says, there is a minister by name Atikaya. And he gets up and he says, Oh Master, just look at us and your compassionate look is enough, which will empower us and which will enthuse us. We can go and kill any number of uh, human beings and monkeys. You know, nothing can stop us and nothing can come and touch us. And we are here to even lay down our lives uh, to satisfy your will. And then, uh, then uh, Meghnada gets up. You know, Meghnada is uh, is that uh, son, son of his who has who had bound Hanuman. So he is uh, actually reeking with the pride of having captured Hanuman. So he says, when all the gods and devas themselves are under you, they're enslaved by you. Why, why are we? Why should we ever get scared of men in a presence? Can men be stronger than gods? No, nothing to worry about it. Let us, let us, you know, let us just wait for them to come. It will be a chance for us to show our valor. And then Kumbhakarna's two sons get up, Kumba and Nikumba. I think they, they also will have a mention later in the war. These two get up and, you know, unlike their father Kumbhakarna, they say that, no, 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 we are, we are there, we'll be, defeat anybody who comes, you know, and they go on and, and <laughs> there is this mention very beautiful of, I think, somebody, one of the ministers by name Mahodara. Hmm who every now and then gets up and wraps his thigh and walks around and, you know, beats his chest and kind of showing signs of uh, uh, valor. 
I mean, really funny the way Swami writes it. And then there is an Akampana, again a warrior who again, uh, you know, is in the same, adds to the same uh, tune. Hmm. And when this is happening, uh, I think one of them gives this idea that he will uh, adorn a form of a Brahmin, he will go and invite Rama and Lakshmana to his so-called uh, ashram and he will uh, tie them up and he will bring them to Ravana's presence. So Ramana is like gloating over all these offers which is being made and suggestions and you know uh, self-glorification which is happening. Uh, this is uh, you know also I think a very powerful metaphor to what we have in life. You know when whenever we are going on the wrong path just like the elephant in the room over here if we consider our our being as a room <laughs> there is this elephant in the room you know there is some gnawing feeling that keeps telling us that this is wrong this is wrong don't do it and guess what just like these different generals I don't know what are the different voices but we try to drown that voice which says we are wrong by using arguments that actually do not make sense you know we ourselves think do you know who am I I am, I am so and so so how can I be wrong? You know, that's not a logical argument. When you're wrong, you're wrong. You may be whoever, anybody makes mistakes. And then, you know, we think of the so-called good things that we have done, so-called grand things that we have done, the great success that we have achieved. All this we think of that in order to drown that voice which is telling us we are wrong, we are wrong, we are wrong. But guess what? All these other sounds, you know, our pompous boasts within ourselves, our own self-glorification that happens within. All this may be loud and they may drown that voice which is telling we are wrong for a while. Because though that voice which is telling us we are wrong may be little lower in volume compared to all these, it is damn persistent. It never lets go. Because after all this is done, still we don't feel satisfied. And, and you know, we keep trying to seek that solace from outside. Ask others, what do you think? Is this not right? Is this not right? Because you know, that is the that is one of the uh, rule of the thumb, I think. When you are right, you don't actually need anybody else's opinion, whether you are right or not. Uh, this is not an absolute rule, but definitely a thumb rule. If you are wrong only, you try to seek others' opinions, what, what others feel, because you want to feel good by drowning that voice within you which is saying you are wrong, you are wrong. And uh, such is the kind of feeling within Ravana that though there is so much noise being created all around and everybody is praising him, he still feels that, okay, let me ask Vibhishana because, you know, I think in his heart he also knows that Vibhishana is on the side of truth and Vibhishana never says. So his mind must be pining to hear Vibhishana say that, oh Ravana, you are great, you are right. And possibly that will give him little more relief for some time. So he asks Vibhishana, you know, brother, what is your opinion on this question about this these men and monkeys? You know, by stating that Ramana is also hinting to Vibhishna the kind of answer he expects from him. He doesn't say, what do you think of Rama, Hanuman and all these? He just says, what do you think of these men and monkeys? It's almost like telling Vibhishna that your opinion better be low about them because after all they are men and monkeys. This is what he asks. Yeah, before coming to Vibhishna's answer, what you said actually, uh, you know, about drowning the voices within. I think it, it works both ways. Here you are talking about somebody like Ravana who is so conceited and uh, his pitfall is laid in his overconfidence. 
but i think it, it even works the other way around you know when when you are not confident when you are thinking low thoughts about yourself mm. or when you're not confident about yourself i think that again that happens there is that voice of confidence which keeps keeps coming saying that you know this is right don't worry just do this it'll be right but those self doubt which keeps coming up i think it works both ways you know when you're confident like in ravana's case you try to be overconfident right overconfident like in ravana's case or when you lack when confidence lack confidence i think both ways is to listen to that voice which is persistent which does not try to give you reasons but just states the truth as it is and in many ways vibhishan is actually playing that role from outside too because here is somebody i mean uh if i had to write dhamkatha raswani probably i wouldn't have written vibhishan's dialogues like this because he is very very straightforward he does not mince anything he does not package his words to sound pleasing or anything he says you know brother you are asking me and i will try to give it to you as straight as possible just have the patience to listen to me and he says you know because the reputation of ravana is somebody who has defeated so many gods and you know uh, the devas and devatas and that's the reputation of ravana but uh, vibhishna is saying you know rama is not any ordinary person he is not any god he is not any demigod in that sense hmm. he says here is the lord the master of the 14 worlds that's who rama is hmm. and you are going and banging your head against him and there is nothing but your downfall which will come as a result of this you are not only going to ruin yourself you're going to take the whole clan into ruin you're going to destroy lanka that's what's going to happen if you go ahead persisting with this stupid idea of yours he also reminds ravana he says you know brother you must definitely desist from admiring the beauty of women who actually don't belong to others they don't belong to you this is not good you must desist from this in in case you desire a good status after your death in case you desire a good status before your death also either way you know if you want a good name now and a good name even after you die either way you have to desist from this because lust and anger these are gateways to hell and ruin and you know you are talking about defeating yama yama dharmaraya is considered as the lord of death so he says that you are talking ab- about your combat with the lord of death listen rama is the death itself to the god of death you know he is the god of death for the god of death like how in christianity we sing out lord of lords king of kings he is the king among kings like that rama is the god of death for the god of death that is the person he is the one who regulates time he is the one who regulates the universe you are talking about three worlds he is the master of the 14 worlds so so therefore give up hatred give up hatred to him and you know he again tries the other method he says if you surrender to him you will automatically become immortal <laughs> if you if you are seeking immortality even for that the route is by surrendering to rama so brother you know with all humility and love he says kindly return his consort to him earn his grace and he says that see i am not commanding this pompously because as even as he is saying this vibhishna falls at the feet of ravana holds the feet of ravana in order to even show him visually see unlike kumbhakarna who comes and says you are a fool and walks away vibhishna is doing he is stating the truth but he is stating it in a very humble manner he is not swerving from the truth he is very firm on the truth but with all humility and sweetness he falls at the feet of ravana touches the feet of ravana and says please listen to me o brother and do this and all of us will be happy but well ravana just 
kicks him aside and you know uh, even i'm sure that even the courtiers who were present there would have sympathized more with vibhishna than with ravana it is just their fear of ravana that keeps them sitting silent right and swami writes even as ravana kicks vibhishna vibhishna is holding on to that feet and you know pleading that don't do this and another person who gets up and tries to advise ravana at this point is mallevanta he says that you know what your brother is saying is absolutely true this is an old minister right, right? Old, one of the old minister he is again one of those people who uh, advised him even when uh, hanuman is brought to the court hmm. but you know look at it the ways in which we try to overlook the right advice which comes to us because the way ravana is looking at vibhishana is you know he he looks at him as somebody who's ungrateful he's saying that you've eaten my food i've given you place to stay hmm. i i've given you the position that you have in life and you're speaking against me you know actually what vibhishana is doing he's the only one who's being loyal to what he has received from ravana he's saying you've given me so much i need to give you what is right i need to give you the right advice i need to give you the right direction in life but ravana you know that's what happens when you are misdirected you're seeing what is the right advice what is what is somebody who is being actually being grateful as being ungrateful and all these you know people around you who are only uh, trying to pump your ego you see them as those who are grateful to you know your gifts and uh, the question might arise as as to in our life how do you differentiate between a true advisor like vibhishna and the others again uh, i have a rule of a thumb which i got inspired by watching a movie i forgot the name of the movie it's an oscar winning movie but you know it's about an emperor who wants to do something wrong okay but there is this man a person who believes in okay. values the last man standing is it uh no 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 even that is the name that came in my head but that's okay. not the movie uh the perfect man so forget it okay but he basically the story is that this person he doesn't swerve on his principles mm-hmm. and he tells the emperor that you can go ahead the emperor says that he wants this person to sign off that okay. he accepted it and mm-hmm. he says i'm not going to sign that mm-hmm. you know technically actually nothing makes a difference whether he signs it or not and yet the emperor is not satisfied unless this person signs it mm-hmm. in fact in the end he even executes him okay i feel this is what happens uh, uh this is what happens in our life also that this truthful advice now keeps gnawing at us and whatever we do we can't banish it at all how much ever we try and we can identify which is the good and which is not the good because when it is the good you almost feel like i don't want this person to be there i don't want this advice to ever fall on my ears and yet you can't help even as you lie down and sleep the thoughts of that person keep haunting you this is that is what happened with kamsa you know kamsa was haunted with thoughts of krishna ravana is tha- haunted with thoughts of rama in fact ravana is so helbent you know he could have just told vibhishna never come to the court again but he invites him to the court and he seeks his opinion publicly why do you seek the opinion of somebody whom you know will keep opposing you but that is that is the power of truth you know that is the power of truth because ravana knows that whatever comes from vibhishna is the truth he is just hoping that let me change what vibhishna says so that you know <laughs> so that then it matches what i want but when that doesn't change that's why you know he listens he allows he allows vibhishna to be audacious he scolds him he throws taunts at him he tells him you are an ungrateful wretch he tries everything to convince him and change his view but 
ట్రూత్ నెవర్ చేంజెస్ వెన్ దట్ డజన్ చేంజ్ ఇట్స్ ఓన్లీ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ ఎగ్జాస్పిరేషన్ దట్ రావణ కిక్స్ అవుట్ విభీషణ అండ్ ఈస్ ఏజ్ యూ గెట్ అవుట్ ఆఫ్ మై కోర్ట్ బట్ యూ నో యూ కెన్ మేక్ అవుట్ హౌ రావణ ఇస్ ఒబ్సెస్ విత్ విభీషణ బికాస్ ఈవెన్ ఆఫ్టర్ కికింగ్ హిమ్ అవుట్ possibly we may not cover it this week but we shall see how he sends spies to check on what vibhishna is doing you know <laughs> you kicked him out you kicked him out of the kingdom but you have not been able to remove him from your mind because vibhishna is a voice of truth i think if we take that as a metaphor we will learn a lot of lessons in our life also right just for the record a man for all seasons <laughs> yes that's the movie and i feel it's a must watch yeah, for anybody i think it's typically this story you know because of course in the ramayana we see only this part of vibhishana's and ravana's dialogue but for many reasons i think ravana would have given lot of importance to vibhishana's words even on other occasions you know the reason why he has kept him given him such a place i'm sure vibhishana would have spoken like this on many other occasions when ravana was doing wrong things and uh, i think if i'm not wrong even when surpanaka comes vibhishana has a word to of advice exactly i'm sure when many occasions vibhishana would have been a person like that you know whom ravana might not have obeyed him all the times but uh, probably ravana didn't have the guts to remove like, him from the <laughs> one or two times when what ravana did was in conjunction with what vibhishana suggested <laughs> he must have felt a little happy that okay at least once in a while i'm doing the right thing but at this point you know things fall apart and vibhishana is very upset and uh, i'm sorry ravana is very upset he says you're so ungrateful you don't deserve a place in my uh, in my kingdom anymore if you're so obsessed with the might of the enemy and if you want to praise him so much you you know i banish you you don't have to live here and vibhishana walks out of the court and after this of course is is that very very beautiful episode it's again one of the most important and significant episodes in the ramayana but before we come to that we'll take a short break on the other side of this we will have this beautiful meeting between vibhishana and rama <laughs> ra ma pata bi ra ma 
the success by the results because as krishna said the result is in his hands the lord always judges you by the efforts and vibhishna knows that he has given his 100% effort he might have failed he was a failure because he didn't convince ravana but he knows that rama will view him as a success because he gave his 100% in trying to convince ravana and now when he it's like it's of no use anymore trying to convince because he is not going to get convinced like they say you can give water to a thirsty person you can feed uh, i mean uh, the other way sorry the wrong example i used you can uh, wake a sleeping man but you can't wake up a person who is acting like he is sleeping who doesn't want to get up so that is the case with ravana here and that's why vibhishna walks out of the court and decides to cross the ocean and go to lord rama right and i think uh, here of course it's not mentioned but uh, swami mentions in other discourses vibhishna actually comes with four other people hmm. and, uh, in one of the discourses i think the 96 samako swami mentions that vibhishna followed by four others i think one of them must have been malyavanta and a uh, few others like that they cross the ocean and they come to the spot where rama is residing with his monkey uh, ami and is instantly spotted by the monkeys and he is brought i mean they they actually imprison him and they come and inform sugriva that uh, it looks like ravana has sent a messenger or he may be a spy from ravana's camp uh, I, they recognize him also they say it is vibhishna vibhishna has come and okay uh that's what happens the interesting thought that i got here prem was that see uh, while uh, we read about of course Ram, uh, rama i say i'm saying uh, swami doesn't make a big deal of it you know swami just describes how hanuman just jumped across the ocean but we see how much great detail is given about how hanuman journeys across the ocean here in one sentence it is said that vibhishna comes crosses the ocean and comes how on earth did they do it i mean it's such a huge task on one hand i felt it gives you an estimate of what is vibhishna's actual power though he is shown as a very humble sweet person who is uh, apparently very helpless and weak and doesn't do anything it's only because of his love for the lord and his humility that he is like that if needed he may see his capability you know not only him four others he gets them along across the ocean and the other thought that came to me was you know in one case if you see physically hanuman was going away from rama so it is such that if you are going away from the lord the journey becomes actually more difficult <laughs> and here vibhishna was coming towards the lord it's like swami saying you take one step towards me i'll take a hundred towards you and that's why vibhishna's journey became so easy of course these are my thoughts but i just thought they were sharing here absolutely in fact uh, if you look at it when you know when uh, when you see that uh, episode of rama sending hanuman i think when when the when you get an opportunity to do swami's work when you get an opportunity to be the lord's instrument the task which you're going to accomplish is already accomplished like in uh, in the entire ramayana i think everything is accomplished but when you become an instrument in the lord's hand i think there is so much of learning which happens individually and for the people around you when they see you they can learn because that's why i think we spent two satsangs only on uh, hanuman's journey from this side of the ocean to the other side because there's so much of learning in that each one of those obstacles he went through each one of those difficulties he went through the doubts that he had before he took the leap and you know his response after he goes to lanka there is learning in each one of it i think for all of us when we get an opportunity to do god's work the work is definitely accomplished swami would often say you know it's already done but 
being instrumental in that work we gain a lot of learning in the process you, you know that i remember once what happened was i think in the early 2000 possibly 2002 or 2003 mm-hmm. uh, mrs sarala shah the wife of indulal shah she was uh, suffering from some uh, health problem i don't remember the problem now but uh, bhagwan you know called one of the students and gave him vibhuti and said you go and give this to sarlama and uh, this boy went all the way to bombay and gave it and came back and uh, first of all you know i found something very strange i felt if swami wants to help uh, sarlama why you know why give vibhuti and send you know when today we see vibhuti pouring down from photographs vibhuti uh, appearing in people's hand directly so i feel all these thing that swami does where the lord supposedly needs help needs assistance all those are just excuses to give opportunities to devotees and to people to serve him and the next thing is after this boy went came gave, gave vibhuti and came back you know swami compared him to hanuman he said just like hanuman went across the ocean and conveyed <laughs> rama's message this boy has done this like that and i was thinking you know what so what so great in that what's so great in this you know there is nothing what hanuman did was fantastic what this fellow did what anyone else would have done that you know today when i look back at that i feel it is it is such a humbling thought because even when we look at what hanuman says see we say what hanuman did is great but if you look at hanuman what hanuman says lord nothing you told i didn't do anything possibly it is the ring that had did everything possibly it is you know he gives total credit to rama and it's not it's not like how ravana's courtiers are speaking to ravana that hanuman is speaking to rama he is having true humility and i feel that is the quality of a true devotee and in that sense what this boy did and what hanuman did are same because they put aside their self and whatever they achieved however grand it is that grandeur was decided by the lord in one case the lord decided that that grandeur should be leaping across the ocean setting fire to the entire city and coming back in this case the lord decided it would be flying across to a city giving vibhuti and coming back so however big or small the task may be in our eyes let us remember the task becomes fantastic depending only on how humble we are and how uh, le- how non egoistic we are how much we are able to realize that it is only the lord who is doing i think it is that quality that makes a task as grand as to be compared with hanuman rather than the amount of work that is done so as swami would always say let us focus on the quality and not the quantity and returning to the story where we were you know vibhishna is caught what happens next uh, dear listeners there was this little scene that was performed as part of the convocation drama in the year 2005 that scene beautifully captures what happens because uh, i think uh, angada or one of the vanaras gets the news to rama saying that this has be this such and such a rakshasa has been caught and we can see what a statesman lord rama is what a how a true king should behave you sh- before taking a decision the kind of inputs that is received we have just now seen a bad king where uh, in, as in the case of ravana where he hears only to those who uh, who are um, flattering him he is not ready to listen to anybody else we can see the contrast here and then something's beautiful that happen i think it's best that we play this little clip one of the scenes from the convocation drama 
प्रेम की ज्योति इन 2005 डोंट गो एनीवेयर डियर लिसनर्स सिट एंड लिसन टू दिस क्लिप इट्स अ सिक्स मिनट एन एक्शन दैट हैपेंस एंड आफ्टर दैट वी शेल फर्दर आर डिस्कशन लॉज माय प्रणाम्स ग्रीटिंग्स टू यू माय फ्रेंड वॉट ब्रिंग्स यू हियर इन सच हेस्ट a rakshasa by name vibhishana has come to seek your succor he is the brother of our enemy ravana hmm what does he say he says that he has been humiliated and thrown out by his brother ravana when he tried to advise him to retract from the sinful path and offer mother sita back to you sugriva let us consider the pros and cons carefully before we arrive at a decision what is your opinion a rakshasa must never be trusted most probably this vibhishana is sent by ravana to spy on our forces he may win your confidence first and then will work for our downfall angada lord there is nothing in the three worlds that is not known to you but as per your command let me express my feelings vibhishana must be treated with suspicion we must find out whether he really is sincere in what he says only then can we accept him into our camp hanuman jay shri ram my lord vibhishana is a great devotee of yours his life is like a lotus that blossoms in slush i saw vibhishana when he spoke to ravana against his decision to kill me his face was calm and he did not appear to be deceptive in any way my lord he has openly renounced his brother and has come to you for refuge in my humble opinion we must accept him and his words to be genuine jay shri ram lakshmana what do you feel brother can there be any difference between your will and mine i have no other thoughts your wish is my command i have made my decision in this matter it is my vow that i shall not refuse succor to anyone who comes to me let it be anybody let him come and say once that i am yours and i shall grant him freedom from fear once and for all satyadev prapannaya tavasmi tichauchyate abhayam sarvabhutebhyo dadami etat vratam mama
सुग्रीवा टुडे इट इज जस्ट विभीषणा इवन इफ रावणा कम्स आई शैल ग्रांट हिम रेफ्यूज टू ओ धर्ममूर्ति आई फेल टू फैदम द डेप्स ऑफ योर कंपैशन फगेज मी एंड अलाउ मी टू ब्रिंग विभीषणा टू यू स्वामी स्वामी your servant surrenders at your feet seeking refuge i have come to you leaving behind my wife children and everything in lanka i have none else but you you are everything to me o rama i surrender my joys my sorrows and my very life at your divine lotus feet none seeks my refuge in vain ravana's days are numbered you are the king of lanka that is my sankalpa i swear in the name of my three brothers that i will not return to ayodhya unless i achieve this objective I shall crown you right now as the king of Lanka. Lord, what if Ravana seeks your refuge now? If that be so, then I shall request Brother Bharata to crown him as the king of Ayodhya. Prabhu ke aashirwad se kya log prasan hue? Welcome back, dear listeners. And that was the clip in uh, in the year 2005. The drama was staged in Swami's presence. And as we were saying before, we played this clip. This is a very, very important part in in the Ramayana because uh, it is believed that this was one of the you know revelations which Lord Rama made when Vibhishana comes and they say that what will happen if Vibhishana is a spy? What would happen if uh, you know he's a one he's a Rakshasa and you are here to destroy the Rakshasas? That's when Rama makes this. You know, whoever it may be, it may be an animal, it may be a man, it may be a rakshasa. But if he comes and surrenders to me, it is my vow that I will protect them at any cost. You know, it is said Rama is the perfect man, and throughout his avatarhood, he behaves like the perfect man. But there are those few instances in the Ramayana where Rama apparently parts the clouds, <laughs> clouds of you know Maya. that hide his true personality and reveal allow his personality to shine forth so in fact when uh, all of them are giving their advice sugriva in fact says that he should be put to death rama says that see your words are correct he doesn't say to sugriva that you are stupid you are being wrong see, that's what i say unlike ravana he tells sugriva your words are correct you have spoken perfectly in accordance to the injunctions of the shastras and what the scriptures say about defectors but listen to my vow it may be opposed to your advice but you know this is lord rama speaking not the statesman rama he says my vow is to protect all those who surrender to me even if the person surrendering is my enemy i will not make an exception in any case 
I shall not give up any being that surrenders to me, even if it involves incurring the sin of slaying a billion Brahmins. It is said that slaying a Brahmin, a Brahmin, uh, unlike the modern day caste definition, a Brahmin is a person who is involved in the quest of Brahmagnana. So, therefore, killing such a being is considered a very sinful thing. He says, even if it means incurring the sin of killing a billion Brahmins, I cannot give up one who surrenders at my feet. You know, this is such a grand proclamation. It was so beautifully rendered in that shloka. That is the shloka actually in which Rama assures him, assures everyone of that protection. I think that should give us so much of joy and we should take to heart with great excitement because this promise shows the extent to which the Lord is ready to go in order to protect and take care of the one who surrenders at his feet. In fact, in the next line, uh, uh, the next part, Swami describes how Rama says that even if it is true that he has been sent here by, uh, you know, Ravana as a spy or as to kind of get information about our preparations, whatever it is, even if that is the case, if he comes and tells me, I surrender to you, I will protect him. Or on the other hand, if he were, if he has been scared by Ravana, he has been thrown out of, of Ravana. If he's come to me in disgust and if he says I surrender to you, even then I will accept him. You know, whatever be the reason, he has come to me. And Rama says, you know, what are we to be scared of? Even if he has come as a spy, what are we to be scared of? There is nothing to be scared of. And this is my vow. And whatever happens, I will accept him. So he says, go and bring him to my presence. The supreme confidence that can. Uh come only when you are the avatar you know <laughs> when you are on the side of truth there is nothing to fear the other thing is you know Rama as the statesman he patiently hears out to each one you know without uh, biasing them in any manner he just puts an open question and patiently lends his ear to each one and just like in the case of Ravana Rama also has advisors of different levels. See, it's different thing if five Brahmagyanis are discussing. All of them will easily come to a consensus. Here, Rama is having a Sugriva who says, kill him. And there is Angada who says, oh, you know, tread with caution. And there is Lakshmana who says, oh Rama, whatever you say, what, I have no difference only. And Hanuman, each one, you know, according to their level. So, uh, so beautiful this scene is because it gives us an insight into the character of each of these people. And at the same time, it gives us a peep into the magnificence of the avatar. How the avatar shows that when you are as a human, you behave so perfectly. I'm sure we would have heard so many examples like this where, you know, before even undertaking a project or anything, Swami would ask everyone, what is this, what is this? And the most beautiful thing one brother told me is, whenever Swami would speak, it would always be in the end after having heard out everyone. And Swami would always preface whatever he said with the words, now Desham Lo, in my opinion or what I feel, he would never say, this is the truth. This is what should be done. When actually he has all the right to say, because whatever he says should be done is what should be done, that is the truth. On the other hand, we who are not so sure, we speak with such authority as if we are gods ourselves. Uh, I think we should learn humility from the Lord himself. Then of course, Rama goes on to, you know, perform the coronation of Vibhishana, mm-hmm. uh, crowning him the king of Lanka. But uh, there are some beautiful things which, you know, Rama says, Vibhishana, he says, you know, uh, where Vibhishana actually comes and pleads, he says, I'm a Rakshasa, you know, I belong to the uh, this clan which is, which is 
impure with its thoughts and with its intentions i belong to such a thing uh, such a clan but rama says you know this is where i think swami puts in a beautiful thoughts for us to to uh, relate to because swami you know swami writes here that rama tells vibhishna don't worry the moment you've seen me the moment you've you've earned my darshan that means that all your flaws have been removed off that the moment you have cast your eyes on me all the blemishes in you have been wiped off you don't have to worry that you belong to the rakshasa class anymore and then of course he performs the uh, uh, you know the coronation of vibhishana he tells him go and have a bath in the ocean and come and when he comes he again does the thing and i think uh, i don't know whether in the ramkatha swami mentions it there is a question which sugriva asks in later that you know you have this uh, yes. wow that's what that is what we heard in the clip uh, it doesn't appear in the ramkatha but swami has spoken about right, many swami times spoken about this where he says that okay fine you told you'll crown him king of lanka see on one hand that shows rama supreme confidence there's no doubt i'm going to the he's already the king of lanka he doesn't say that when i defeat ravana i will make you because uh, when i defeat ravana possibly has the doubt of if i defeat ravana Sugriva is what if now Ravana surrenders because Rama has said that if Ravana surrenders also I shall accept him. Now what if he surrenders? Whom will you make king? And he says that I shall tell brother uh, Bharata to step aside and make Ravana the king of Ayodhya. You know this shows not only the humility, the the magnanimity of the Lord and the absolute detachment that he has. See, he, it's not as if I am fighting Ravana for the glory or for the kingdom or for that sake, even for Sita or something. The Lord's life. is much much more grand and much much more meaningful than we can ever imagine or think it to be so at this point we'll conclude this week's satsang we'll continue next week i think uh, the next week we'll begin with the building of the bridge and rama is asking we'll again have a you know consultation session of how do we go across this ocean and then we would see how that pans out how the building of the bridge starts again a very very important episode in the ramakatha rasvaini in the ramayana itself but we'll you'll have to wait for a week for that we'll have to conclude here on the other side of the song we're going to play for you you will be joined by brother chandu for his program love to love do join us next week for concluding this fortnight's ramakatha rasvaini afternoon satsang this is prem from team radio sai and with me is arvind we offer this most humble effort of ours at swami's lotus feet